Hello, you're listening to 10 Minute IS Paper. My name is Blair Wang. The first of today's papers is called Social Media's Stockholm Syndrome A Literature Review of Users' Love and Hate by Nadia Bella Rinaldo, Sabine Matuk, and Alan R. Dennis. The second of today's papers is called Aversion versus Abstinence. Conceptual Distinctions for the Receptivity Toward Algorithmic Decision-Making Systems Within Value-Laden Contexts by Oliver Hannon, Uri Gal, and Ilan Dar Nimrod. Both papers presented at the Australasian Conference on Information Systems, ASIS, in 2022. Well, hello everyone. I hope you're all doing well. I've just come back from the ASIS 2022 conference in Melbourne. Uh, ASIS is the regional conference for Australia, New Zealand, and the um, Pacific region. Um, it, it's a very nice conference. It's very supportive. And one of my favorite things there is that it's a relatively welcoming and warm environment for PhD students, of which I used to be one, um, only having graduated quite recently. There were so many wonderful people and presentations that I had a chance to encounter at ASIS, but for today's episode, I specifically wanted to draw some attention to two wonderful papers from early stage PhD candidates who are looking at complex societal issues to do with information systems and are doing more than just spotting gaps and plugging them in. They're really challenging norms, trying to think of new ways to look at existing issues. Both of these papers, I would say, are, at least to some extent, in the area of critical theoretic IS research, where they don't just accept established norms, but they really question the power structures behind the way we do things and the assumptions that people have about technology. And so without further ado, I want to talk about the first paper, um, Social Media and Stockholm Syndrome, by Nadia Bello, Rinaldo, and her colleagues. This paper takes a really interesting approach to look at some of the contradictions that people feel towards social media. It's not the first paper that's seen the contradictions there, and this paper is in fact a literature review. But the, the compelling thing in this paper is this metaphor of our relationship to social media, similar to that of hostage victims and their captors. The original Stockholm Syndrome was named after a situation that actually happened in Sweden, in Stockholm, where a bank was robbed and hostages were taken. And after a few days of stalemate, the, the hostages who were held in a vault actually started feeling not only negative feelings towards the criminals, but also positive feelings to the people who literally kidnapped them. Well, of course, this is a well-known uh, case. It, it happened in the 1970s, and many have studied this. But to look at the the metaphor here of this contradictory feeling of both positive and negative feelings towards those who hold you captive, this is what this paper does really well. The paper goes through these three sets of tensions, uh, firstly between closeness and distance, secondly between kindness and hostility, and thirdly between dependence and resistance, which are inherent to the actual Stockholm Syndrome phenomenon outside of IS, and then applies it to this specific situation of our relationship with social media. As the paper points out, social media is everywhere. We are immersed in it. Even if you choose not to actively use it yourself, everyone around you is using social media. And so there is this perceived closeness. 
Just like with the kidnapping scenario, you become close with your captors and therefore you start to have that psychological proximity towards them. And that could explain some of the contradictory both love and hate, both positivity and negativity. But more than that, in the hostage scenario, captors often give these mixed messages where on one hand they are fully in control, on the other hand they may give you occasional morsels of kindness. And so the paper has this second duality between kindness and hostility. And social media does give us these moments of kindness. Sure, it's also very hostile. It pushes these ads into our faces. It creates all these negative societal consequences, but it's also quite useful and it allows us to connect with friends and many of us even rely on it for work to achieve things that we otherwise wouldn't. I remember saying in the conference, there's this remarkable irony that I then connected with all these people I met at the conference using LinkedIn and it would be a very different experience at the conference if you couldn't do that. And then of course, just like the situation with a hostage taking scenario, all your personal needs are then routed through your captors. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Do you need to go to the bathroom? You need your captors to be able to allow you to do that. And just like that, with social media, so many of the mechanisms in our lives are then routed through social media, whereas in a previous era, they may not have. Things that we previously did through other channels, we now route those needs through social media. We are dependent on it, even if we choose to resist. The paper is about much more than this. It then talks about sort of the research agenda for the future. But to me, part of the reason I really wanted to talk about this paper on the podcast is just this really salient analogy, this metaphor, that our relationship with social media is just like the Stockholm Syndrome. The second of today's papers addresses this phenomenon, this puzzle that is typically called algorithmic aversion. Algorithmic aversion is the name given to it by Diet Vost et al. 2015, who, who had this wonderful paper where they point out this behavior where people, if confronted with two options, one in which a human being makes decisions and another in which the same decision is made by a machine, by a computer, that actually has a higher rate of accuracy, that is, in a very quantifiable sense, superior to human decision-making, people still often prefer the human decision-maker. And why is that? That is the puzzle of algorithmic aversion. Um, the most prominent example that I can think of is with self-driving cars, autonomous vehicles, where even if we could show people that a particular self-driving car is just safer than all human drivers in a particular area, which honestly some of the drivers I've seen, <laughs> yeah, um, I can easily envision that. But even then, people might feel very edgy, very concerned about having an autonomous vehicle, a self-driving car, doing its own thing on the streets, even if, so far, statistically, that car is safer than any human. That, I think, illustrates algorithmic aversion. Now, this paper here today, it gives a name to a different way to look at the problem. And that's what I love about this paper because it introduces the notion of algorithmic abstinence. That is the crux of the paper. 
If we just look at people's preference for humans rather than machines, rather than algorithms, as a technical problem, as a matter of accuracy or the best end result based on a particular metric that we've predefined, it does seem irrational. But if we look at human rationality more broadly than simply maximizing gains, profits, benefits, pleasures, and minimizing pain and loss, if we look at life more complexly and we look at human ethos more complexly, there may be philosophical justifications, rationale, for preferring the human decision maker. Uh, the paper goes into the details and you can see in figure one that there, there's this whole layout of not just the aversions and the abstinences, but also the reasons for preferring algorithmic decision making. In fact, uh, classic IS business school style paper, there's a two by two matrix, figure two, which shows both utility and value laden evaluations of algorithms. And then on the other axis, whether or not people like the algorithm and, and our algorithmic aversion is just one out of four. Um, but ultimately, I think the, the thing that makes this paper so strong and so promising as a stream of research is just to reconceptualize the problem. And I think that's something prominent with both of the papers today. Both of them challenge established ways of looking at complicated societal relationships with our information systems, technology. And that, I would argue, is what we need more of in our discipline in information systems. This has been an episode of 10 Minute IS Paper. Thanks for listening. The music on this podcast is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod and generously licensed under Creative Commons. You can find out more about this podcast at www.tmisp.org and you can reach out to me, Blair Wang, at www.blair.wang.